HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. everyone and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Kara Warren and today on the show we have Mary Casella, a Brooklyn cheesemonger and educator whose research is dedicated to the subject of women in dairy. In fact, last spring she became the first recipient of the Daphne Zeppos Research Award and has spent the past year researching the history and legacy of women in dairy. I love that. She most recently presented her work at the ACS Portland. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kara. I am very excited to be here. I mean, and we're, I want to say it again, live in person. This yes, is, this is incredible. I'm a little scared to be live. Um, no, no, but, it makes it better. It makes it more yeah. fun. You're in a shipping container. Hopefully you're not uh, sensitive to small spaces. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the number of Cutting the Curd episodes I've listened to and like, be like, oh, this is where it all happens. Yeah, yeah. legendary. Um, yeah. Anne Saxelby was once here. Greg right? Blaze, Elena, yeah. Aaron, the, the I mean, Diane. Yeah. It's, you're really here. It's incredible. <laughs> fun. Did you expect it to look like a wooden chip inside as well? No, actually, I had no idea. When I walked in, I was like, uh, the Heritage Radio Station? <laughs> Where do I find that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, even, I mean, it's been a while since I've been to Roberta's, but uh, coming back here, I don't think I ever noticed this space before. No, and it's funny, I always wonder if the host or hostess will know that it's a shipping container with a radio station because the complex is so yeah. large. and. They actually do, so it's good news. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, because I was at ACS as well, how was it for you? It was a whirlwind. Um, it was fantastic, but so sadly, slash uh, very happily, I had to dash back to the East Coast because one of my best friends was getting married that weekend. What? So, Tell them about the wedding. That's yeah. silly. That's so messed up. <laughs> um, you know, and I like wouldn't have missed that for the world. So I was only there for a couple of days, but it was really cool to just see some people I hadn't seen, meet new people, got to experience a couple really great talks and tastings. And then it also just felt really amazing to finally get my presentation out into the world and... I mean, I'm not great at public speaking. I'm a little shy. 
And it was incredible that like all of my nerves just kind of like floated away. And uh, I had a really warm reception, which was incredible. Um, and so that was really nice to just kind of like, kind of put a bookend on the work that I had done with this presentation and finally share what I had been like building up all year to share. Yeah. So that was the first round of presenting for you at yes. UCS. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I thought you did great. I, Thank I you. Mean, and, and I will say that when I, I was five minutes late to get in and it was packed and it was a standing room at some, it, it was a standing room yeah. and the level of, um, women that were standing on the sides, the importance of industry women. I was just like, it was, it really took me back. It was yeah. really moving to yeah. see everyone uh, admiring your presentation. Yeah, so. I, I was like, kind of took it in, but I also kept my glasses off so I wouldn't see faces and get nervous. Um, ah, but, <laughs> that's a good and then tip. <laughs> put, put them back on for the questions after. Um, but no, it was really incredible to see that many people show up. And like you said, like some, you know, faces that I know and admire and, people there who have been like supporting me along the way. Uh, it was really incredible. And I think that like, that's even the bigger, better thing is just like seeing all those women there was really like, it meant a lot to me because that's what I'm doing this work for is all of these women. Right. You know? Right. And uh, so the reception of it was good. I take it. Yes. So after you yeah. did the presentation. Yeah. Good reception. Okay, cool. So the title of your program is Women's Work, The History and Legacy of Women in Dairy. What brought you, brought you to the subject? So I think, you know, like when I first got started working in cheese, obviously cheese is delicious and I love to eat cheese. And it was ultimately like, I think the history and the culture and the people behind like where cheese comes from that ultimately like captivated me and it's why I'm still working in this industry today. And the more I continued to work and I just happened to meet one amazing woman after the next. And in my search to learn more about both cheese and the history of cheese, I really wanted to know more about women's roles in this work, in this business, in this now industry and like entire culture. Um, and I think also like a little bit crept in of my schooling of like art history and photography and just seeing like depictions of dairy maids all the time or like in literature uh like dairy maids and and that all kind of com culminated in feeling like there wasn't anything available that really got to like a, a deeper exploration of just how significant women were to this industry, you know, like right, right. you have your little blurbs about like actual like definition of an of a dairy maid or definition of a milkmaid, and then of course like you know the like women who have been so significant to building like I mean essentially creating what the American like artisanal cheese scene is today, uh, you know they get recognized, but even still like kind of in a sidebar way. So I wanted to one more know, like know more about the history and then also expand that into like, okay, well, what are, who's working today and what are we doing? And, and even when you look just at like social media, I feel like in this, you know, I don't mean to like no, no, <laughs> disrespect okay. any like of our like male, like coworkers and, and, um, you know, people in this industry, but like, I just feel like so much of the work that is being done comes from women. Um, 
so yeah, that's the the long and the short of it. No, it's it's a true theme in in the cheese industry. I'm glad you're looking into it, and I'm glad that you're looking at it through um, an anthropological lens. I mean, that's um, it sounds like yeah. that's where you're headed, at least in the research. Yeah, totally. Because um, I was so me saying that like there wasn't any like uh, uh, what's the word I I want to say like a complete book of like women in dairy or something like there isn't there's, one right yeah no no huh. and but there is actually a lot of resources out there like on the internet like your databases and everything about the history of women in dairy and you know that is still really important to me but then ultimately it's me thinking well I can just share what these resources are with other people and they can read that history and take what they want from it but then in terms of like what I can do that is perhaps more significant is actually reach out to women who in other words like maybe don't have the time to put themselves out there more they don't have like the you know the the access or the tools to you know share their stories um and I think that's yeah like ultimately what I has been so exciting and rewarding uh, at times, like a little <laughs> nerve wracking for me. Sure. Again, uh, a little shy, but every time it's just been, I step away from a, like a chat, whether it's like on the phone or like actually seeing them in person, just like in awe and grateful for them sharing their story and their time. No, that's really very, very cool. So when I saw your presentation in Portland, um, I noticed you had three different women that you profiled and, um, they were, it seemed like different demographics, different backgrounds. Was that on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think also ultimate, like when I first set out on this research and I was like, oh, well, these, all these like incredibly important women I need to speak to. And I would still one day like, like to have, you know, these conversations, um, with, uh, you know, like your Mary Quicks and everything like totally. that. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, and another aspect of my work is, uh, you know, looking outside Europe and America, like the two, like these spaces that we totally. see as like the dominant cheese cultures. And the incredible thing, like women's work is shared around the world. And when we think about like domestic work and work in the kitchen, that is a, like, I, you know, I could be wrong, but based on my research, this kind of work globally and culturally is done by women. And so I'm, I still have a lot of work to do to like look in other parts of the world, but it was really important to me to not focus strictly on like European uh, cheesemakers, American cheesemakers, like these cultures where we think of like predominant dairy cultures, like dairy culture exists almost globally, not necessarily in the same capacity, but you know, like in like, even in the, like the mountains of Iran to like some parts of on like, in Africa, you know? Um, so having that diversity was and is still very important to me. No, that's great. I'm glad you're going to be like traveling the globe and looking into um, the nexus of like where women are doing this because it's part of their everyday life. And I can see how that could be an interesting research topic. There's a lot of details that can come from that, that I hope to see in um, one day, a book or more presentations yeah. I think that's uh, that's really, really cool because you're right. There isn't a source quite yet for it. No, yeah. no. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. Um, so was it, um, did you feel like when the Daphne Zephos program 
gave you this grant, how did that make you feel about this idea that you had? Did it, um, did it give you like fulfillment or was it like you felt more appreciated? Like what was the value of that? Oh my God. I was absolutely giddy when I got it. I like, I couldn't believe it. Um, because I had been encouraged for like quite a few years now to like, uh, um, submit a proposal back when like it was just the only the the teaching award and the research award didn't exist and you know it was kind of like because oh, you're I, the first research award yeah this is different yeah, than the previous exactly. award which is more um on the in the field I guess yeah yeah okay and you know it was always like oh I don't really think like I have anything concrete and you know I don't feel confident in anything that's like not necessarily worthy but like it doesn't seem super like you know I just don't have it all together and then when I saw that the research ward um, was created, I had kind of just recently just been more and more been doing like a lot of reading and research on my own. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, all right, I, I know exactly what I want to propose. And um, yeah, when I got it, I <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it felt one, like considering my topic, it felt amazing to like receive it from the Daphne Zephos teaching endowment, you know, like for Daphne, like talk about someone who we like owe a lot of like legacy and credit to. And then, uh, it was just kind of like, uh, it was really gratifying in that, you know, this work I had been doing just like sitting on my couch and like being like, Oh, maybe I'll share this on Instagram <laughs> and like maybe somebody will see it and think it's cool. And then being like, actually being told, no, like this is valuable and important work and we're going to give you the tools to do like further work with it. That was like kind of my, you know, almost like, like a dream job, you know, like I feel like when I would like say watching the history channel and you're be like, and so-and-so an expert in this field. And you're like, you make a career out of being an expert in this field. It felt a little bit like that where like, you're giving me money to research women in dairy like and I get to just do what I want with it it was really I'm still like thankful and it it sounds a little hyperbolic but I really do feel like this like has changed the course of my life kind of absolutely yeah. no it's it's super freaking cool I'm super stoked to see what um happens for you upcoming mm -hmm. um I'm curious what kind of guidance are they offering you as part of this program do they do they help you at all or is it like here's the money and they run away <laughs> no they've been super helpful um yeah everyone on the Daphne Zephos uh teaching endowment board um were so helpful we would have kind of like bi-monthly check-ins see where I'm doing and like I unfortunately I'm a procrastinator <laughs> and you know I'd be like yeah no things are going great things are going great and they would be and they would be and I was doing the work um but yeah they were there to like and it like even people who weren't technically on the board but like say had like received the grant previously like I had a lot of like previous grant winners reach out to me and say like hey anyone I can connect you with um even like the community at large was oh, just like let me know cool. um yeah. but oh, so cool. we would have like our kind of monthly check-ins and and then I mean really when they were I think they became most helpful and honestly like kind of what helped guide my my final presentation was again I got kind of like stuck on all of this history that I had learned because I was like, whoa, there is all this information out here. And I'm just like, want to share this all. And I got a little too bombarded by all the history yeah. and lost sight of like 
actually sharing the stories that I have gathered thus far. So they were super helpful and like guiding me and kind of, you know, clear, like making sure I didn't get lost in the, the weeds, um, which it can be very easy to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when I prepare for episodes, I can get like that too. It's just like, there's so much, it's like a rock that you have to move. Yeah. So I'm so glad that they were there for you. Uh, you mentioned stories from the people that, from the women that you got to meet. What is like one of the standout memorable stories that you have from meeting uh, one of these women that yeah. you spoke with? I gotta say, I think it is um, going to be meeting Dona Rosa in Oaxaca, which I went... Uh, in Mexico. Yes, in Mexico. Wow. This past spring. And so I had... Uh, received an opportunity to go kind of do this like independent study at a space called Poco a Poco in Oaxaca. And like I applied in the presentation that like I was uh, researching women in dairy and I wanted to learn more about the culture, like the dairy culture in, in Mexico. And so I was in Oaxaca and, um, you know, one of the like, I feel like <laughs> there are so many Mexican cheeses that we don't actually know about in the United States, but of course, quesillo or queso Oaxaca, uh, you know, is in grocery stores and I wanted to, I, I'm near Oaxaca, okay, so Oaxaca, and then Etna mm -hmm. is a little north of Oaxaca and that's actually where Quesillo uh, originated and on a whim, I took a cab up to Etna and- uh, You Ubered? <laughs> yeah, I, I, had to, I had to take- Sorry, a, that's awesome. I had, to take a, I had to take a joint taxi back down to Oaxaca City, which was fun and interesting. Amazing. But, um, yeah, I stumbled upon, I found Rosa's listing on like Google Maps, uh, just trying to find a cheesemaker. And um, lo and behold, I had like just, like she had just had her curd setting. And in my very broken Spanish, I asked if I could um, watch her make cheese. And she said yes. And I spent a couple hours with her. And you know, I think, and it really like struck home this idea of women's work because I mean, it was basically, it, it was her home that she was producing this cheese in and, and her, her daughter came by and helped her a little bit. And, you know, I can, again, because my Spanish isn't uh, very good, I couldn't get like that much, you know, actual um, information from her, but I could just sense that like, she has been doing this years and in whatever capacity that she has been doing it is servicing her community it's servicing her family um and I think that really is like reflective of what women's work has been regard like even outside of cheese just like women's work in the home right and and how so much of cheese history has been women making cheese in the home and then um a very nice new current turn of events is um a fellow cheesemonger, uh, Pamela Rubio, who she was at uh, Fairfield in Connecticut recently, and she's actually just now off to Mons. Um, oh, cool. She's, she's Mexican, and she was back home recently, and she met Rosa. And I am, like, through uh, me having heard about Rosa, and she was able to go see Rosa, and of course, because she's Mexican, she can, you know, have a, a deeper experience with her. And I think, like, I'm so excited that she got to do that and, like, I met Pamela just on Instagram and that has been a beautiful experience of just like through this research, you know, Instagram can be like such a crazy <laughs> world that like, sure. you know, um, but like 
strangers reaching out to me through Instagram, talking, like saying how much they appreciate um, the research that I'm doing. And then like finally meeting Pamela just a few weeks ago. And then uh, it's a small her world. going to see Rosa and like, she got like, she just told me she got to see Rosa and, you know, and I, th- I'm just like so happy that that whole interaction got to happen that like, because of, me being able to go see someone, another like fellow cheesemonger, fellow woman got to go see Rosa. Um, so what a cool experience. Yeah. So I like. I just hope that more more occurrences like that happen. You're definitely influencing people in a very cool way. I Thank noticed you. on the Instagram because I I did check this out that your experience in Oaxaca, even to see the cheese making skill. Like the way she moved her arms and hands and like yeah. just the natural organic nature of that cheese making. What a wild thing to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like I think that goes back to like for me, really strikes home of like women in the kitchen in the way like the the tradition of women sharing food knowledge with other generations. I was like, I think I said this in my presentation. I definitely said it <laughs> in my proposal. It's just like you know, it's the consummate, like, woman is homemaker or, like, home cook and, like, man is chef. Mm. But, like, who do we mostly learn all of our food traditions from? It's from our mothers and our grandmothers and our aunts and our sisters. But women are just, like, relegated to the home and are never the professional, um, you know, is just, like, a hobby or a craft. Um right. Is it like her know-how that you saw? Is she passing it on to her daughters or other family members or? So her daughter did help her like pack out some cheeses, like put some uh, queso fresco in some uh, forms, but she it didn't appear to be too involved in the cheese making. And like, fortunately, I don't like I, I wasn't able to like yeah. ask well enough, but uh, I'm, I can't wait to see what Pamela was able to like get from her and see. Totally. Um, I'm curious. A collaboration she did, there. She did say, Rosa did say that like she learned it from her mother. Um, cool. So yeah, that tradition is there, but like, I hope she passes it. Yeah. Is passing it on to someone. I mean, the way that she could tell the curd was set and then like just moving the curd around. I don't yeah. know. I mean, she's in, she looks sharp and she's oh, seems yeah. very with it. I was like, Wow, I wonder what would happen if everyone made cheese at old age. Right? Like, would yeah. they survive forever? I know. Just like <laughs> keeping them sharp as keep sharp Absolutely. through cheese making. We'll just keep putting all our old timers into cheese yeah. making. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm cutting the curd. Um, so there was a point that you made um, about you know male versus female, but I you know I think. No, I'll leave that alone for now, actually. <laughs> Maybe it's not it's not smart to go that way. No. But I, well, I mean, d- do you think they're different, actually? Do you think that there's a difference between women cheesemakers and, and male? I, because I've never personally made cheese, I, I don't know that I can speak to that necessarily. I think I can speak to working amongst other men in this industry and, like, interacting as a cheesemonger on the other side of the counter of like uh, male customers. And I think, you know, very like, like none of the women that I've spoke to have like outrightly said, like, you know, there's these like really blatant uh, like issues between uh, like 
men and women cheesemakers, but there are certain experiences I think that many women go through, whether it's like a, a socialized or like biological thing that um, lends certain qualities to whether it's like treat like raising like uh, managing your animals or the actual like cheese making process mm, that's a very interesting point. um mm-hmm. you know whether it's it's things of like women like we <laughs> it's like instilled in us from a young age to like be patient be quiet be small um you know we uh empathize with other people and uh you know i think one of the things that i heard from a couple women is like you know women work smarter we're not about showing just like brute strength you know the number of times i've seen like a fellow cheesemonger like go and break a wire because they thought they could just like you know plow through a like <laughs> um you know sorry that's just great right cheese, there. you know and it's just like yeah i do think in certain capacity again this isn't like i don't want to make any blanket statements absolutely you know yeah. but for the most part um i think women just work smarter we have like and uh, like we have different spatial awareness, um, you know, again, like patience and empathy and, you know, like I, I didn't want to like, cause I don't think it's, uh, like a complete blank, like blanket statement, but like in terms of like, you know, it's hard to ignore the like maternal, like women, you know, milk and like, you know, but like it is that correlation is there and like, as if like if you are a mother and you're like your animals like you're you're having that bond that experience of like knowing another mother that kind of relationship but of course that's not every woman that's not every cheesemaker absolutely no there's nuances and uh some are i'm sure positive and create new things and others are are detriments but then they're challenges that people overcome it's very it's going to be very cool to see again in your research how you note this and and what science you can bring yeah. to this. And like, you know, the, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I might be going off on a tangent now. No, like, no. There's just so many things where like, even like, you know, um, like, de- like decades ago when like, even like land gets passed on to the sun, that sort of thing. Or like when like technology uh, and like machines get developed, they get developed for like the size of a man. There's just so many things that it can seem like you're taking it like a little too serious, but then you're like, no, like this actually like this, <laughs> so many things are designed for a man run world. And it, it is, you know, outside the, the realm of cheese within the realm of cheese. And there are just, I think so many really interesting things to look at. And that's why I feel like this research is just going to like keep going and keep going. No, it's, it's very, it's super valuable. I mean, I hear you. I've been to uh, cheese making facilities where, yeah, it's completely men. And the women are just in the packing room. Yeah. And that is really annoying because maybe they should be making cheese too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> um, on a quick note, we are going to take a quick break. Right. Hey, everyone, you're listening to Cutting Curd. This is I'm Kara Warren, and we're here with Mary, and we'll be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO. 
Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conte within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineur on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. I am here with Mary Casella, and we are talking about uh, women in cheese and how they are working in dairy culture and different anthropological aspects, history aspects. And one day, Mary's going to write a book for us. <laughs> uh, maybe in five years' time, yes. we'll be talking about a book with her. But um, right now, we just uh, came back. She finished an ACS presentation. And now we're going to talk about what's next for her. Um, are you doing... I I've heard from Daphne Zephos, uh, the association, that they're going to do a September, a virtual thing then yes. again? Is that what's yeah. coming up? Um, uh, we haven't announced it yet, but yes, that is correct. And cool. it is slated for the 26th of September. Yeah, I think I heard um, that too. I think you're right. So I think like 8 p.m., but I'm sure there will be, there will absolutely be an announcement. So, but, you know, mark your calendars if you want to tune in there. And, yes, um, yes, yes. Because we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we are actually, we're going to make sure, this is the reminder episode. If you're listening to oh, this... Amazing. This is going to, we're promoting Mary for her virtual thing. So get there. Don't get miss to it. it. Don't and miss also, it. Also, if you were, and may I say thank you, if you were at uh, my presentation in ACS, this will be a little different. You know, there will still be some similar material in there, but um, it won't be exactly the same as my ACS presentation. There's bonus material? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Oh, man, that's awesome. So you mentioned... Um, well, I wonder where I should go with. Now, you were in New York City as a cheesemonger. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine you'd be at this point? Like, now you're cheesemongering to researcher? Never. Ne you know, it like, I even, just the way I stumbled into working in cheese and then be, like, and sometimes I, like, sheepishly, when people ask what I do, I'm like, I work in cheese. <laughs> and, right. like, and most people are like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. It's really cool. But, like, no, I wouldn't have dreamed of, like, what kind of, like career working, like starting behind my first counter would lead me towards. And right. again, like just kind of this awe of like receiving this grant to like get the recognition to do this work that I, that I think is so interesting. And it's great to see that other people think it's interesting. So um, yeah, I never would have thought this is what I would be doing. It's really cool. Are you going, the subjects that you've studied so far, the women that you've met so far, are you going to keep in touch with them over the years to learn more and more? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I've like, and other than Rosa, because it's, uh, you know, 
actually, she, uh, Pamela said she, oh, she shared her WhetSock number with me. No way. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so now you're um, really buddies. But, like, you know, I, yeah. I, I keep in touch with uh, Jess, who I talked about in my presentation, um, and, like, I didn't include her in my presentation, but, like, Allison Lakin, I saw her last summer, and, like, I chat with her on Instagram a lot, and, um, you know, yeah, I hope that all of the women I, I speak to, I continue to, like, keep a conversation going with them. So, side note, Allison, I just saw she has the seaweed cheese that I want to try. Yes, rockweed. Yeah, rockweed, I got yes. to I got to try that when I was visiting a friend in Maine last uh, yeah. summer, and it just so, like, it coincided right when I had, like, just gotten uh, the grant, so I was like, oh. Yeah. Let me see who's making cheese in Maine. And Allison is fantastic. Uh, she's was so nice and so cool to talk to, and yeah, rockweed is... That's yeah, really cool. She's doing, hope, she's doing good things. I want to check that out. I think it won some major awards. So yes. She's yes. on my list to talk to eventually coming awesome. up. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about, um, I, from your presentation, uh, there was one profile with a woman that was a mother. Uh, so it's this is a modern day situation. Yeah. How does she take care of her kid, do the milking, and make cheese? How does that, how was that for you to see? Like, I mean, what was that about? It like, was, so, um, I think you're talking, probably talking about Jess. Okay, that was um, Jess, okay. Yeah, and, you know, her youngest, Zeke, um, I actually don't remember how old he is, but, like, she would have him, like, when we went to talk, she just, like, had him strapped on her back for a little bit, and then also her um, her other son, Jonah, is pretty involved on the farm as well, um, helps with the herd management and a bit of cheese making, so it's kind of, like, a family affair and um yeah and I think you know Jess was an example of someone who like this work brought her a lot of satisfaction along with being a mother and like being able to like either like provide this upbringing for her kids and being able to work with animals because she even said she was like it's more about the working with the animals for her like Oh, but like cheese making is like a, a perk and uh great but like it's like she makes cheese because she has the animals and likes to work with the animals um and for her yeah and she even said she was like you know she knew she wanted to have kids like very early in life and wanted to be a mother and and this was just a for her this is a way of life that allows her to be be that mother and also have a like a, a life that brings her fulfillment like outside of her children as well and it, it all kind of works together in a cohesive manner and she's yeah. she was retailing the cheese as well or not at all it's just for the just, family um no she is retailing um a farm store on her land and she actually i won't get oh, into wow. this but no, like that's okay. she had like a new jersey has some crazy laws she had to jump through some hoops to like be able to sell her cheese but she does sell it in like a bunch of produce and as well well but that is an interesting part of it that i think like uh legally as women they have to overcome some hurdles sometimes that weren't or have changed in modern day life now but it it wasn't the case always no yeah i mean it's women we like women would sell butter and like some cheese and, and you know this is centuries ago right um as like extra income for the family, but it was it still wasn't like a, a big market for these items. And it's only kind of like once <laughs> the market opens up, 
for butter and and cheese and this like profitability becomes apparent that men step in and they're like oh we need to improve this <laughs> and make more money off of it uh, <laughs> surprise surprise yeah yeah uh, yeah that is uh that's unfortunate but that's yeah. history for you exactly um yeah <laughs> make it bigger and possibly better but actually not better and right make more money right yeah <laughs> so i <laughs> so you studied art and photography mm-hmm. how is that mixing into this now actually really interestingly um well so uh in several spectrums. Really? <laughs> so okay. uh, a photojournalism class that I took at school, I went to uh, Ithaca College in Ithaca. So Finger Lakes, obviously great agricultural region. Definitely. And um, so I have this photojournalism class, which I wasn't too stoked on because I'm not really, a, like I'm not bold enough to be a journalist. Um, but then this project where I had to choose a subject and I'm from very, very rural New Jersey, a lot of cows, dairy farms, just like, uh commodity like milk though uh I was like oh well let me see what kind of like dairy farmer I can find or like anyone in that realm that I can you know shine a light on and um I happened to be introduced to Nancy who uh makes cheese or made cheese in the Finger Lakes um and that was kind of like I'm I grew up eating like Italian cheeses because my family is Italian but I didn't grow up like knowing anything about cheese so that was kind of my first for like farmstead cheese making. I was like, what, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the background at that point to ask her, um, any deeper questions, but you know, I talked to her again, um, and I included her in my presentation. So that was super cool to reconnect with her. And then, um, on the art history side, I actually reached out to one of my professors, Jennifer Gray, who uh, was one of my favorite art history professors. And when I had, even before I received the grant, I had just been like doing, I mean, I was, there was a point where I was literally just like Googling crazy, like dairy maids, women in dairy, and like just seeing whatever resources I could find. And one of the resources I did find is uh, this book called Dairy Queens. And it's about, um, it's art history about architectural structures. Um, these, oh God, I'm totally blanking on the French word for it, but basically these, like facades but like full-on dairies like dairy structures um meant to replicate a functioning dairy but of course just like uh elaborate and like made of marble and they're more these kind of um retreats for um the upper class to then associate themselves with like pastoral values so um huh. women Sounds I'm like familiar. <laughs> yeah I'm totally blanking yeah. on like all the yeah. names of um some of these more significant historical figures but like they would have their portraits um painted in the likeness of a dairy maid and these legit gorgeous structures meant to act like a functioning dairy where they could go and retreat and like you know escape from city life and um have this idyllic setting and and experience what it is to have like country morals and stuff so that's like it's kind of weird how my my schooling has influenced um what I'm doing today oh you never know what you're gonna get yeah when you study certain things and then you you mix in cheese and bang here we are right and I mean like that was like (laughs) like when I started my research I had this like crazy long outline and another credit to the board they were like you should scale this back a little bit for now like 
set your like this is great but focus a little bit because I mean that's another thing like port like women portraits of dairy like how would dairy maids are depicted it's always idyllic and like right you know not looking of, stressful yeah and you know and then you get into the whole like virgin whore complex and that's oh, you know that's it's another just episode like, kids yeah it's <laughs> sorry it's I just like it. it's so many things where like you know dairy maids are like at one point are this kind of like bastion of morals and hard work and 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 then there's this other kind of lecherous like side of like oh dairy maids in the field and like you know any young man can come by and do whatever you're totally right and it is it's this constant thing of women of just being like be this like um you know bastion of morals but then also like you know it's like be the madonna be like you know this sexy person uh anyway no it's true it's true though i I mean that's what the dutch masters to sort of painted and then i think they had that movie with scarlett johansson so i see where we're going with this yeah and i i get it and it's definitely a chapter for the book i say yeah yeah i say bravo for that (laughs) thank you Um, uh so it sounds like you have an outline for more research um what what can we kind of expect next in the say another year or so from you um i would like to keep the ball rolling with reaching out to other women and you know the this past year it had mostly well it had really just been cheesemakers and um I definitely want to continue that but then I think it would be really great to see like some of the other sides like women in dairy sciences and um you know how many of our like great like cheese uh you know distributors and businesses are you know started and owned or like by women only a few yeah Yeah. right (laughs) I mean (laughs) I can tell you it's only a few so I'm excited to see who you talk to (laughs) um so definitely like I think I'll in kind of like the background I'll keep looking for like uh research like historical research and stuff but I really want to try and keep strong like speaking to women because I think that's ultimately like what is going to bring me the most joy and I think what other people are going to be in enjoying the most and then like if I do find some like cool history stuff I can just share that with people and they can read it themselves you know yeah we might actually have a book for ourselves yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> there might actually be um yeah. something for me to read about yeah uh, no, just, but uh well Mary I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today this was awesome this has been really great chatting with you Karen yeah thank I mean you. you made it to Bushwick you made it yeah, to Alberta's right? <laughs> um so hey everyone I just want to say if you want to follow Mary on Instagram you can follow her at mlkbtch uh, if you want to check out the Daphne Cephas Teaching Endowment, it's at DZTE2022. Uh, and you can follow us at Cutting the Curd or myself at Kara Warren. And please listen and subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple, Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, and eat more cheese. Bye, thanks. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.